one of my grand passions is that people should be able to eat healthy, but a lot of people say it's expensive. It's expensive in time and expensive in money. And frankly, that's just not the case. I'm going to talk today to Dr. Johnny Bowden, a leading nutritionist and health expert, and we're going to break down those myths and help you see that you can eat healthy and do it inexpensively in time and in money. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator Podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share this, please, so that we can get so many more people hearing our, our message. Hi, gang. Happy Thursday afternoon, and I apologize for the delay. You know, working from home, all the juggling, sometimes, somehow, we get a little confused, and that's part of life, and this is good. You know, we're all dealing with stress. Unfortunately, it'll be great if we were talking about stress today, but that's actually next week in my Immunity Lifeline program. So for those who were able to join up and sign up for that program, great. Look forward to talking to you next week and being part of you next week. For those of you who missed joining in that program, don't worry, because when all is said and done, we're going to bundle it together and we're going to put it together in a big package so that you can get all that great information about how to boost your immune system. We have six great sessions with Dr. William Lee, Dr. Jacob Heidelbaum on the many things that we do that can help strengthen your immune system and that we do to self-defeat ourselves and to suppress our own immune systems. So keep your eyes out for all of that. Um, today, the topic is healthy eating, actually. Um, let me remind you, though, before I get to healthy eating, that two things. One is put questions in the chat box. I've got somebody who will be feeding it to me. I do look down, but it's not because my children are texting. It's because they're sending me your great questions. So share that. Have your questions ready about that. We're going to be talking to Dr. Johnny Bowden today, who's a great old friend and a great um, uh, part of the bottom line expert team. Um, I've got all sorts of all, all these videos we're putting into libraries. We've got them in Facebook in this bottom line page. We also have a great library of them in YouTube, the Facebook, um, the Bottom Line Inc. channel in YouTube. So go there, tell your friends about them, share them, right? This is really important stuff. And a lot of what we talk about, no one else is talking about it. And if they have a headline in the news, they may give you two minutes about it. But we're giving you deep, in-depth, straight from the experts. And I promise you, we're free from the influence of advertising. We're telling you what you need to know and what you need to do about it. Because frankly, that's really the biggest challenge. What do I do about it? Um, what else do I need to tell you? Next week, we're going to talk about anger. I just scheduled that. We're going to talk about Dr. Mark Wilson is going to be back with me. We're going to talk about anger. Yours, mine, and theirs. Because there's what we're all feeling angry about. And there's the world that we're having to receive all this anger. So that's for next week. Those are all my announcements. Um, let me bring in Dr. Johnny Bowden. Um, there we go. There he is, handsome man in California. I will give you his bio and tell you how great he is and why he's here with me today. You can roll your eyes humbly, but I know you're, <laughs> I know you're just joking. Um, but I read all the bullets, so I'm sure that I get everything right. All right. He is a nationally known expert on weight loss and nutrition, hence he's been invited to talk about healthy eating today. Johnny's the author of 12 books, including the 100, 150 Healthiest Foods on Earth, the surprising and unbiased truth about what to eat and why. You can see that conveniently over his shoulder on his shelf there. It's a beautiful book. Um, and he's also the author of The Great Cholesterol Myth, Why Lowering Your Cholesterol Won't Prevent Heart Disease and the Statin-Free Plan That Will. That's co-written with Dr. Stephen Sinatra. And in fact, that is so important. That's being reissued. They're updating it and reissuing that for publication October 5th. So mark your calendars and uh, pre-order that on Amazon. Um, Thank you've, you. you've probably seen Johnny on his, he's all over the television waves. He's, he's written all over the place. His favorite people to write for, however, are, is bottom line. So he's been, of course, of course, of course. you can learn all about over a decade, of course, when we were so young. 
Um, and <laughs> you can learn more about Johnny at johnnybowden.com. Well, hi, my friend. It's so great to see you. Hi, it's always great to see you. All right. So today I want to talk about healthy eating. You know, through the pandemic, through um, COVID, there's been a lot of conversation about obesity and the fact that weight and excess weight is really a big influencer and a big factor for why people get it, increasing the risk of getting it. And then if they happen to get it, they may have an increased risk of dying. Which brings me to the other side of it, that what can we do about it? And how can we help people to eat healthier and know how to eat healthier? And there are myths about it. There are people that say, yeah, but it's expensive. Yeah, but it's inconvenient to eat healthy. It's much easier to be able to grab and go something. And I wanna bust those myths today because as a former junk food eater, quick on the fly eater, I know for a fact that you can eat in an economic way and you can eat good food and feel very satisfied and feel better about yourself. So that's the topic today. I agree with you, but I'm, I'm gonna, uh, Sarah and I don't always 100% agree on every single thing and Already? once in a while there's, so, well, I, I wanna give some kudos or some respect to the position that it is sometimes more convenient to eat junk food. Mm -hmm. I mean, we would be not honest if we didn't say that grabbing a bag of Doritos and a hot dog is a lot easier than preparing Kobe beef, just for example. And of course, those are two extremes. But it, it, one of the things I always talk to people about when they say that it's, it's more expensive to eat healthy is that it's more, it can be more expensive, but in time. Because there's no denying that we have sacrificed food quality for convenience. And I think that beginning to eat healthy starts with kind of a recalculation of the priorities here. It may take you a few extra minutes to put something together fast. Now, you and I have been doing it a long time. We can go into a grocery store and do that and come away with something, but most people don't know to just grab that, that, and the other, and they'll go together and I can. Most people, it will take more time than having it done for you by just going to the drive-in, ordering number one, it comes to your car. So I think true. that- That may be true, but it's also yeah. a cost. So it's really cost and time. There's, there's both of those, the cost yes. of time and the cost of money. And- 100%. Agree, yes, you have to be a little bit educated, which is what we're gonna do a little bit of that today. Right. And, but I think it's also that people have much bigger, fears of it that they deserve to have that it's really and that they don't realize that what some of the things i want to talk about are the, the silly things we do that we don't realize where we're spending money or spending time or spending so, time because you know that's yeah. that's the key here is also if you're going to rewind yourself to priorities both in food and in time and manage your time you want to see where you're wasting money and you want to see where you're wasting time because a lot of what we're talking about might take a little bit of extra time. Making a family meal takes more than calling for call out. But the, re the rewards, which we really need to talk about, because that family meal goes way beyond the nutrients in it. The, the mm -hmm. fact of eating together yeah. and preparing the food together. And we should really spend a little bit of time acknowledging that because those are huge benefits that yeah. are not gotten if you just do take out. But that little bit of extra time, when you see what can be what the return on investment is you might say you know what i can watch a half hour less of tv mm -hmm. and and so i think people have to be prepared that yeah you may not be able to do everything sarah and i are going to talk about in exactly the same time frame you're doing 
things now. Something may have to shift, but if the return on investment is significant enough, and I think I hope we can convince you that it is, it may be worth readjusting some of those time constraints. And God knows this is a great time to do it because we're forced out of our normal routine. What better time to create a better routine that's yeah. more time efficient and more cost efficient and more healthy? But I still have some mob trips, tricks up my sleeve. So it's not okay. so bad. Johnny's scary. That's not so bad. <laughs> all right, so listen, um, let's start out again because we all have our excuses. Talk to me. You've been a nutritionist um, and counseling people for many years. So let's just, I want to, I always like to start with the hurdles because there's a whole bunch of people that are going, yeah, but like we talked a little bit about, yeah, but I don't have time. Yeah, but it's too expensive. Um, but I think there are other aspects to it too, Johnny. Like, you know, healthy food tastes icky or that, you know, food history, you know, so that I grew up, like I grew up on sugar, on fr frosted flakes. I say this all the time. I grew up on frosted flakes and Pop-Tarts so that my palate, like I like sweet things and I don't like the taste of that. So what if the, let's just let go, help people release some of those, acknowledge what they have and the, the I'll call it the mental rules of what their diet restrictions are, I'll call it, so that we can then help them pass that. Well, I, I think the first thing is to acknowledge that the foods that we can't give up have been engineered to be addictive. And that's been written about. David uh, uh, the, the Kessler, the former FDA uh, commissioner, wrote a wonderful book called The End of Overeating. And another Pulitzer Prize writer named Michael Moss wrote a book called Sugar, Fat, and Salt. And they both went into the factories where the foods that people can't give up are made. And they looked at what they do. And these are PhD food scientists who are engineering these foods to have just the right layering of fat, sugar, and salt so that they reach what's called the bliss point, which is that point where, bet you can't eat just one. Well, you're right. You can't just eat one. So we have to acknowledge that these people, who the people who feel very much, I just can't give up cereal, I can't give up bread, I can't give up Doritos, whatever the thing is, are not, they're not, it's not a weak characterological thing. It's not a moral failing. You have become addicted and you've become addicted because some very smart people have figured out how to make those foods irresistible. So if we start from the premise that we kind of have become addicted to foods that were never in the human food supply and are just, you know, bigger and brighter and shinier than normal foods and sweeter and saltier and fatter, if we recognize that, then we can begin to treat it almost like any other addiction. And, and that means that, yeah, you're going to have to give up something that feels good right now for a longer term goal. Something I know something about as, as an ex-addict. So. Um, let me also say, like, my mother was a really good mother. So, you know, so that in the 1960s, when I was little, 50s, 60s, 70s, that the like, packaged convenience food was high tech. It was yes. like That was good stuff that it was fortified breakfast cereal. Like, suddenly everybody thought that this was a good thing and they were doing it with love. They weren't doing it yes. out of naivety. So that this is not anyone that says, oh no, I'm taking it personally and my mother was nice and she didn't mean to poison me with this stuff. It's not that, it's what the standard of the time was. And, and let me add to that, I, uh, if you read some of the marketing histories of how, the, how processed food actually was, it was marketed to mothers as you will have more time to spend with your kids. These were loving mothers who were like, what, right. you're going to get me out of the kitchen for eight hours a day so that I can actually play with the baby? I'm in. Right. And so those, those convenience foods were meant to live, you know, they were, they were plugged into the women's live movement in the 50s and Betty Friedan and like, oh, we're liberating women so that they don't have to be slaves in the kitchen. They, it was 
well-intended. It was exactly as you say, it was meant to appeal to mothers who felt that they weren't spending enough time with their kids and convenience foods were the way out. Right. Unfortunately, they were the way in to a epidemic of diabetes, what we call diabetes, obesity and diabetes, which emerged as almost one thing at this point, obesity, heart disease, and all the other cardiometabolic conditions that came with processed foods. Yeah, and we didn't they learn that, did. unfortunately, till later. And then, as you said, also, and we'll talk about it as well, um, I think at some point, that just the quality of the food, you know, the soil has been beaten down for you. Terrible. So just the quality of the nutrients that are coming out of the soil through this package, through the, the giant increase in the amount of food that we needed to get out of each acre. So we've yeah. got more quantity going into our bodies, but it's not necessarily quality that's going in. So what um, are some of your tips? I, I want to hear some of the we'll tips for like, oh, we'll okay. In a bit. Who's in charge? Um, so let me ask you this also, Johnny. Um, the, is there, and I used to, I've, I've had conversations with people about this. I used to have long conversations with Max Gomez on my radio show about it. I've done um, um, Facebook lives with him, a couple of them on COVID. Um, there's a big knowledge gap as well. Like it shocks me, but honest to goodness, I think there are a lot of people out there who don't know the most basic aspects of food and nutrition that they don't necessarily realize that some of these packaged foods, that they're believing the labels on the packaged foods and thinking it's good for them, that they're not realizing that I'll call it orange crush is bad for them, right? Um, that, you know, that there's, we're lacking education. So there are a whole bunch of people out there who just don't even know. I was talking to someone recently, this was so frightening. She, I forget what she does, but she was working with children and she showed them pictures of a tomato, like a real tomato, a real, they were showing them real vegetables and fruits. They didn't know what it looked like. They didn't know what it was. They know ketchup, they know apple juice, but they couldn't even identify what the yeah. original organic product was. Yeah. So talk for a moment about just the, the education gap. And this is, you know, I've kind of saying, been ranting about this, like we're worrying about the obese people and the and the effect on lower income people, but you need education so that they know what to eat and how to eat. Well, not necessarily in order of importance, but the first thing that occurs to me when you say that um, is something called health washing. And this is an important concept for every consumer to know. It's when a company finds out that there's a buzzword like organic or omega-3s or whole grains. And they take this junky food and maybe add a drop of the buzzword ingredient and then over it on the box, they'll go whole, made with whole grains or now with omega-3s. And the consumer goes, well, Sarah and Johnny can't be talking about that. That's healthy stuff. Look, it says, it says organic. It says now with omega-3s. Uh, it's called health washing. It's washing your product in a patina of like healthy buzzwords. But folks, if it's coming in a box, it's suspect right away. And I, I, obviously there are exceptions to this, but if you wanna boil down, I think the, a message to three words, it's eat real food. Mm -hmm. And that kind of encompasses just about every single thing. We could go through the list of ingredients and food colors and dyes and processes and all of that stuff. And it would not have the impact of just saying, could you have hunted, fished, gathered, or plucked this food in another time? If you came with your paleo, if you were thrown back in time to your paleo ancestors, is this something you could have hunted, 
You could have fished for it. You could have either gathered it off the ground or plucked it off a tree. If it is, it's real food. And most people actually don't know the difference. I have even in LA, hip LA, where they say, well, are you, like, are kale chips real food? No, they're chips. They didn't come out of the ground. Yeah, but like it says kale. It's okay. I know. Who cares if it's fried, rehashed, and re-put together? And, and it's and the third ingredient on the bag. And these are, this is all what we're talking about. So I think when, when people are trying to make these distinctions, the first one to make is the real food distinction. We can get into kale chips are probably not as bad as potato chips. We can, those are distinctions for later. But for most people, they got to know the difference between something that would spoil if you put it outside and would still be there six weeks from now if you put it outside. That's what we got. That's the first distinction right. we have to make. Yeah, and all those, again, all those processed foods, and I'm going to talk about this in terms of when we talk about where's our money going, right? So how do you, how do you eat economically and eat healthy economically? People don't realize the high price of these packaged foods. Now, let me also say, set the stage in one other way as well. Um, quantity of food, right? We are, America, the, the portion sizes in America are like triple what they used to be. A soda used to be six or eight ounces serving and now it's the big gulp. Restaurant portions, we all know what's happened to those, burgers at restaurants, all that sort of stuff. We have become so supersized so that I think that part of our food budget and part of what costs us so much is we're eating far more than we need to. It, so that like you can cut your budget right away if you literally serve on a small plate and you're not, we're not eating as much food as we need. Thoughts? Well, well, two thoughts. Uh, the first is that most of those supersized plates with insane portions that are like more talking points than they are actually meals, more, you know, things that you can Instagram, most of that's happening in restaurants. And if you, if you kind of dig a little into restaurant economics with that, they, in terms of the cost per calorie, what do you think they're loading those plates up with? French fries, potatoes, all the junk stuff extra that they can load on and make a huge plate of for very, very little cost. Well, that's true. And, Although I'll tell you this, Johnny, I've got my grandmother's dishes. My grandmother's dinner plate was eight inches, nine inches. Yeah, we my adapt. We plate, adapt to bigger and, be and bigger and brighter, not necessarily plate, better is 12 inches, right? That, I mean, we, we've, and so we actually, no I dinner, we serve our meals on salad plates, honestly. And, and there's good research to back that up. There's a guy, uh, Brian Wansick, who studies the psychology of eating in, 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 in academically, and he has found that people, when they serve themselves on small plates, eat less. So that's a great, great uh, point. But the, the, the uh, second point that I wanted to make about this, the, this portion size, is I'm reading a very interesting book right now on protein and on need for protein. We, we have appetite centers that are kind of, you know, that have evolved over the history of the human genus. And we are often literally looking for the right amount of protein and there's so little in this crappy, carby, processed food that we eat that we just keep eating. You notice, I always used to say, have you noticed that you can eat six bowls of cereal while you're watching reruns of Friends, but you can't eat six steaks and portions of Brussels sprouts, mm -hmm. can you? Yeah. And I that's because our body knows, our brain knows, the, the hormonal system from our gut, the CCK enzyme, they all, re, they all relate to actual nutrients that the body can use. When you're eating these empty calories, you're hungry all the time because your body's saying, well, where's the real stuff coming? Right. 
And that's and that, part of the that's part I, of the portion problem. I was going to say right portion problem, and again cost problem as well. That I yeah, think end up in this this cycle of. I ate, and especially for breakfast, you know, how many people eat a muffin for breakfast, they eat pancakes for breakfast, they think they're being loving, they made pancakes and waffles, but there's just not enough oomph in it, there's not enough protein, there's not enough of, you know, goodness in it to, to, for your metabolism to be able to hold on to. So now, in fact, you're, again, you're in this cycle of eating more and spending more money on it, on foods that are not satisfying. So- I, I couldn't agree more. And also, if you ask people just for their experience, if you ate at breakfast of cereal or pancakes and stuff, when do you think you'd be hungry again? Mm -hmm. And then ask them if they eat eggs and bacon. How? And this has been done experimentally, right. by the way. They did the eggs and bacon versus bagels study a while, a few years mm -hmm. ago. And this, I mean, this this has been replicated and everything. You will be hungry a couple hours later when you eat that high carb meal, and when you eat bacon and eggs, you're not. Right. You're just not. So, you know, when you, <laughs> that's a big part of, you know, and then of course- but We're not trying to go say, keto here though. Not, not, I'm, just, I'm saying that when you give, the, when, the, when the food is nutrient dense, mm -hmm. you are less likely to be hungry two hours later. You're hungry later two hours after pancakes because there's nothing in it that your body really needs. In which case you wasted time and money on cooking those pancakes. Exactly. And, and on this second portion, you're going to have to eat two hours later because you're starving. Mm -hmm. And spend more time on pancakes again. All right. Let's talk. I think that there are a lot. So let me just say overall, I started out when I was going to do this and was, you know, we can, you can clip, there's easy strategies like buy in bulk and go to Costco and, and clip coupons and all. Like everybody knows that kind of stuff. And you'll say, if I start telling you those things, you're going to go, shut up, Sarah, I already know that. And that's really boring. Nobody needs to tell me that stuff. But I think that there are places, again, that you're not realizing that you're spending money in the unhealthy food department, that the healthy food really does not cost so much. So uh, things like, like, so let's talk about some of the places, Johnny, where, where they're spending money where it's hidden. Soft drinks is one in particular that come to mind. You mentioned breakfast cereal to me. Um, any of those pack all those packaged snacks the cookies and everything else go absolutely um i mean the most obvious thing that comes to mind with breakfast is raw oats which are really cheap mm -hmm. and which people think oh it takes so long it doesn't it doesn't the rolled oats actually can be eaten raw you can soak them in a little water you can soak them in a little milk you can just go and take your shower, come back, and they'll be ready to eat. And you put some berries in there and, and maybe some almonds. And that is a three-minute put-together and far more nutritious than almost any breakfast cereal I can think of. You know what else I do, actually? I used to put um, oatmeal when I made eggs. You know, like they, oatmeal and eggs is called a classic... matzo fry, right? They put matzo with eggs. Um, but I would put oatmeal in eggs and so that it would give it a whole lot, the, the fiber, the plant fiber to balance off. Uh, it's a great idea, and bodybuilders have been doing that kind of thing for for decades. And yeah. oatmeal and, and I eggs. Put a and cinnamon on it. That's great. Change the flavor. That's all. Um, that's, all right. So, I, I mean, speaking, since you brought cinnamon up, yes. You know, I I always want to make it when we talk healthy eating. I always like to make a plug for the unsung hero of the kitchen cupboard, which is your spice rack. Mm -hmm. When Steve Masley and I wrote our book Smart Fat, Steve is a, a Four Seasons trained, in addition to being a, a cardiothoracic surgeon, he's also a, a Four Seasons trained chef. And he says, you've got a medicine cabinet in there. 
If you have a look, if you look in my book on the spice section, or if you look on any, go online and just look health benefits of rosemary, thyme, uh, parsley, uh, any of these things, you won't believe the research that's been done on these things in terms of, of cell research and cancer and, and anti-inflammation. I mean, there's just amazing things spices do and they make your food taste great and we don't use them. We rely on this high salted, sorry, Hello, these high salted um, snacks that are, are the exact opposite of what we really need. And then we think our regular food is bland and all it is is unspiced. Learn to use that spice. You want to talk about a cheap way to make food taste great and a healthy way? There it is. Well, yeah, okay, so you know, we start, I was, I was gonna talk later about um, what to stock the pantry with. So let's, I'm gonna hold off. Let's go back to that later so that we're kind of staying in my, in my logical lane. Um, I wanna stay on soft drinks for one second because I mean, people have gotten smarter about it, but even a lot of these pseudo health drinks are still extremely costly. There's nothing better that you can drink for yourself than water, which costs zero zero if you want to look at you know again how to how to watch your budget and drink and eat healthier water versus soda versus you know sweet tea pre-made iced teas well you're preaching to the choir on this um i've done a lot of pieces videos columns on like the three worst foods in the american diet everybody wants to know well what are the three worst foods it, it's right. a no-brainer sodas french fries and donuts I mean, if you got rid of those three, if you right. do nothing else, and, and I'll give you one other tip later in the, in the thing when we get to it, it in, in Sarah's um, uh, order. But if you did nothing else but that, you would make such a major impact on your diet. So there's nothing good, read my lips. There is nothing good about soda in any form. I don't care if it's organic and natural and that, 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 that. Right. if it's a soft drink and it's right. sweetened or, right. or artificially sweetened with some, some, you know, microbiome upsetting thing like aspartame, it's just not, there's nothing in it that's good. It's, it's, it's just right. not like, well, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. Yeah. I, I don't like to be black and white about a lot of these things. I mean, people make all kinds of healthy diets that allow for all kinds of a little bit of recreational food here and there. And I would never take anybody's joy away. But if you cut soda out completely, there'd be no loss whatsoever. No, and, and funny. If, if you, yeah. Yesterday, I spent a lot, long time again in my Immunity Lifeline program talking about um, soda, sugar, the artificial sweeteners, they're just disastrous on your immune system. So from disastrous, a, from, disa absolute disaster. Disastrous. Right. So now let's talk also. So in terms of you were just talking about your spice cabinet. So again, in terms of places where we're wasting money. Now it seems very convenient that sure. they have these pre-seasoned whatevers that they've got meals, they've got snack foods, they've got <laughs> all this stuff that's kind of stop it. Hello, friend. Sorry. That's Sorry. Okay. Stop it. Cooper. I love working no. from home. Is that so great? Sorry. He's uh, <laughs> so sorry. That's okay. He's a bred in the, died in the wood guard. He guards anything that comes near here. There's just nothing I can do about it. Are there bears Sorry. outside? We have bears outside sometimes. We have coyotes. Yeah. No, we actually we coyotes. call a bunny. In, in my house, we call a bunny rabbit okay. a bear because the dog barks at it. That's cute. That's cute. <laughs> cute. Um, but anyway, right. let's go back to so places again where we have people think they're doing good, but they're they're spending money again. It's extremely expensive. They're buying bags of popcorn 
right? And popcorn's not a bad snack as snacks go, snack foods go, it's not bad. But again, you can cook it on your stovetop, far, far healthier than you can by buying, than buying a big bag. Costs you a fortune. Pre-seasoned foods, pre-made foods. If it's in a, as Johnny was saying before, if it's in a box, if it's got labels on it that have all sorts of things, you could do it yourself much easier, much faster. And much better. Because as Michael Pollan, a name that I hope all, you know, everybody should know Michael Pollan. He's one of the great food writers and consumer advocates. And he wrote a book called The Omnivorous Dilemma. He's the one who came out with the three rules of food. Eat, eat real food, mostly plants, not so much. So I mean, he's, and he wrote a book about how cooking at home is going to be the next major health and weight loss revolution. Because not only do you make less, but half the ingredients that we're all upset about, that we keep finding, and oh, did you know they use this in red dye number two? They're not in your cooking at home food. You no. just don't use those ingredients. You don't have access to them. You right. wouldn't choose them anyway. They're not preservatives. So you eliminate half of the stuff that's killing our health just by making it at home and picking the best stuff that you can afford. That's all, you know, so there's such an advantage to doing that right. in, in terms of, not just in terms of cost, but in terms of health as well. All right, so let's talk about some of those seasonings and things that we should have in the pantry. We'll talk about that now. And then we'll, we're gonna talk about some substitutions of like, if not that, this, then that. Sure. Um, so do you have favorite Johnny Bowden? You, you mentioned a bunch of spices before. I'll call it, are all spices good? But you know, I've found that the more food I have in my pantry, just having a spice cabinet, it's there, it's easy. If you have it, it's easy. If you have to go to the grocery store, it's hard. Exactly. So you want to make it as easy as possible to use these things. I'd start with turmeric. I mean, turmeric is, is there's just no controversy about mm -hmm. it at this point. This is the orange spice that makes Indian food yellow and curries, gives it that, that color. And it contains active ingredients called curcuminoids, which have been studied for their effects on cancer, on liver disease, on circulation, on mental health. They are just a very, they're powerful active ingredients that are found in this spice. And I, I would, you can put it on everything. You can put it on scrambled eggs. You can put it, it's just, I use um, fresh turmeric in my juices. I make fresh juice almost every day and always have like a quart of it. And I put the fresh turmeric right in there with the fresh ginger and the lemons. And it makes it, the juices that people buy, you know, for $6.95 for a little, I, I make a gallon of that for like a few bucks. Well, and honestly, I don't think there's a single spice out there that's bad for you. Black pepper, capsaicin. Black red, pepper, which oregano. works very well with turmeric, by the way. <laughs> well, and it's great for circulation. Um, here's, here's one of the favorite things that I, we've ever published in a book. Total aside, has nothing to do with anything. But total aside, if you cut yourself, red pepper, cayenne pepper, or black pepper will also do will help stop the bleeding, will coagulate that blood. And it will also make you scream and jump 10 feet no, in the air, are you kidding? it does not. Only website, only Whippies really? do. Honest oh. to God, this is the best thing. Oh. If nothing else, make sure you have cayenne pepper or black pepper near your near your knife board. It's the <laughs> last it, thing I would think to put on, a, on an open cut. We, oh my God. We published it. I was reading our book and I'm like, holy moly. And I promise you, I cut myself all the time. And it's awesome. Yes, you sprinkle it on and it stops. Wow. You just have to apply some pressure, but it stops the bleeding like crazy. So there's your That's handy funny. tip for that. But okay, I mean, having a spice cabinet full of garlic, um, you, name, you know, paprika, oregano, rosemary, as you said, rosemary, 
all of it, putting that in. You think you might spend a little bit of money to start with, but you're going to use that all the time because I'm going to tell you how to how to make your, you know, it's easy to cook chicken and it takes a little less time if you have it in your freezer than if you have to go out and buy that thing and put it, like it takes the same amount of time, honest to goodness. Um, and and um, let me, as long as you're talking spice, you mentioned garlic. Right. Here's an upgrade that costs pennies that is like one of the healthiest foods that nobody talks about. Yep. You ready? Mm -hmm. Onions. Yep. Onions. Buy some onions that are like pennies. And everything you make, slice them up and throw them in some butter and cook them first because onions are one of, they are such a powerful source of things like quercetin, which is a wonderful anti-inflammatory and actually has some research on it right now going on on quercetin and COVID. So all kinds of wonderful things are found in these inexpensive foods that can be used as garnishes and accessories and, you know, you know, onions make everything taste better. So there's a lot of those kind of foods. And I'm glad you brought up garlic. That's why I wanted to make the play oh, for onions, so which are even easier. Yeah, so good. Um, hey, we have a question from somebody asking if spices react with medications. Um, if it, it's a great question. And it's a great question. A zillion medications and a zillion spices. Yeah, and, and I would refer, there are, there are actually books on drug uh, nutrient mm -hmm. interactions. There are, there are reference little books, and there's a lot of stuff online. I, I would have to know the spice and the nutrient, and honestly, I'd have to look it up because, as you said, there's 50 million drugs. And for example, we know that there are substances in grapefruit juice that do slow down the absorption of certain medications, which is why they will tell you don't take this medication with grapefruit juice. So, you know, there are, it's certainly possible. Right. So the important certainly. advice, actually, you know, people, we become like little sheep. When doctors give us a prescription, you go, okay. And you should always ask your doctor about why are you giving this to me? Is this the safest option? What kind of interactions? And you know, so there's so always ask if you get a prescription what you what the considerations are for taking that medication. Um, but spices are yeah. generally considered very safe, and I mean, I've never really heard anybody overdosing on a spice or having an interaction that was particularly bad. I mean, spices are good. They are good, and again, all over the place. All right, so. Um, Let's talk about healthy substitutions for some of those pricey convenient foods. Already, already, we already ranted about soft drinks and water. Um, and by the way, with water, people, may I say one thing about water? This is, I, I discovered this recently, because water is boring. But if you just cut up a lemon and you put it in the water and you leave it overnight, Man, it's a whole different ballgame. You can do that with ginger as well. I actually do ginger and lemon. I have little slices. I just throw them in the water every day, leave them overnight, and it changes the entire taste. And you can infuse it with even water. If you really want to make the transition from juices and all the junky stuff, get yourself some tart black cherry syrup extract. Just use a spoonful of it. To, to filter to a flavor that water and there's all kinds of things like that you can do and you will save a lot of money on soda mm -hmm. and you will save countless um things for your health by by eliminating those artificial sweeteners flavorings and colorings and sugar you will and lemons you know it kills me i go to the grocery store and lemons, sometimes, man. They're 50, sometimes they're so expensive they're 50 cents each a dollar each sometimes at the grocery but if you costco is usually pretty good the the, the um in terms of being able to buy a whole bag of lemons for not a lot of money. So that will, right. you don't need a yeah. lot. So, you know, buying bulk. So let's talk for a second. So buying bulk is your friend. I will say that in terms of saving money and being able to, to buy healthfully. Right. So not always a single person's friend. Well, you got a little freezer. If you have some freezer, chicken will stay in the freezer for a while. You can buy bulk gr um, grains. I want to talk about, I want to talk for a second about 
the importance of whole grains um, because again, those will, they're far more nutrition. They're not gonna put you on the sugar spike that puts that makes you hungry in another 15 minutes or half hour. You can buy them in bulk. Again, huge bag at Costco for like nine bucks of you know months worth of brown rice. Um, and that they actually provide some some semblance of protein as well, so that we don't have to eat half a cow. You know, quinoa has protein in it. So um, before I get to substitute, so as long as I went down this path, talk for a moment about kind of the the grains and what you know the whole grains and what again they're there's so much they're they're tasty, they're satisfying, and they're nutritionally dense in terms of eating on a budget. You know, so they're they're cost efficient, but they're really nutritionally and emotionally satisfying. Yeah, I mean, talking to me about about greens is a little like talking to a vegan about meat. I mean, I'm not a big grain fanatic. I, I recognize that we would not have civilization without grains, and we need grains, and we need the food source. But in general, I don't. I think their health benefits have been oversold. So I, I would like to see people eat good, healthy whole grains and do all the things you're suggesting. But I don't really. I'm not a big fan of a grain-based diet. I'd still rather see stuff you could hunt, fish, gather, or pluck. And, and grains, by definition, require... Nobody can pick a, a stalk of wheat and start munching on it. It has to be processed. It has to be turned into flour and pulverized and, and, and then you know baked into something. So my only suggestion with grain eaters, and I eat them too, I just don't eat them every day, and, and a lot of them, is to get them in minimally processed forms. And if you buy your own, guess what? Some of that processing you can do yourself. You can soak them, you can sprout them, you can you know, minimally process them, you can use steel cut oats. There's a lot of ways to incorporate grains. And you mentioned quinoa, which is one of the best. It's not really actually a grain, it's, it's, uh, it's a seed, but it, is, it acts like a grain and cooks. It, yeah, cooks and it like cooks, cooks like a grain, looks like a grain, acts like right. a grain and tastes, and it's delicious, and it's high protein, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have a lot of the substances that some people find difficult with grains like right. gluten and, and inflammatory substances like that. Um, so I'm a big fan of that. I mean, quinoa is the, is the poster child for what we're talking about. Um, so it's interesting. You know, there's, there's multiple schools. There's the, the crowd that says, that are the diehard vegans, and say, avoid meat, it's the death. And then there's, and then you're saying, if I can pluck it, you know, if I can pluck it, if I can kill it, I'm good with that. And what I'm saying, they, they can fill the- Well, it's a little floor. harsher than I would have put it. If I can kill it, I'll eat it. You know. <laughs> well, you know, if you're going to kill it, you might as well acknowledge that you killed it. Yes. Um, but my point is that, you know, and I'm not suggesting that people mound their plates with grains. I am suggesting, though, that you can balance it out a little less of the meat because again, where our serving sizes are so large, right? And if you feel like you need more food that you can, you still don't need to yes. eat a Tyrannosaurus Rex burger like Fred Flintstone. And, 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 and let me be, huh? no, go ahead. No, go. I, I want to be clear that I'm not advocating for one or the other. I actually prefer, I, I believe that there are many different diets that can be healthy for many different types of people. And you can certainly eat a meat-free diet. You can eat a carnivore diet. And I have seen both of them work. And so I think, I think we need a little more bipartisanship on diet choices because each person is a little different. They may be different at different times in their life. They may be different during pregnancy than they are when they're not. So there's a lot of options as far as healthy eating mm -hmm. goes. But as long as we're talking about grains as, hey, maybe we don't need to eat quite as much meat and we could fill our plates with this, 
how about talking about beans, which I don't think there's any controversy about. This is low calorie, low cost, very filling, high in fiber. Bingo, drop the mic. That's, I mean, and they come in cans and it's one of the very few canned foods I recommend. All right, so now I'm gonna go back to normal human land who goes, where'd you just put your video? Come back. Oh, my battery. Hold on a second. I got to get, give me, give me one second while I just refresh the battery. You're very high maintenance. Yeah. But you're so worth it. Hold on. <laughs> oh, how are we doing there on Facebook land? So um, we've got, I see your questions coming in. Um, we're going to talk about healthy food swaps. We talked a little about what you have in our fridge and our pantry. So we're going to talk a little bit more on what we should have. We talked about spices. We talked about having grains in there. Johnny's talking about the beans. Um, again, I think going and buying at a Costco or wherever you can to be able to put your freezer in there. Because again, we're talking about saving time and saving money, right? So that because those are the two aspects of being able to eat healthy. Um, are you back? Yeah. Oh, welcome back. Okay. Um, now I lost my train of thought. Okay, great. Um, Beans. All right. So here's the, here's the, you know, oh God, yeah, beans, but they're so icky. Like you can't, it's not like a cheeseburger because cheeseburgers are satisfying. So how do you make beans delicious and not seem like they're, and not seem like they're an apology food? I know how to make a chocolate dessert that's made with beans and that will blow you away. Yeah. I, well, I don't, can't give you, I would have to text you the recipe and give it to you, but I've done it on TV. Yeah. And it's a high fiber chocolate mousse and you go beat. And what I would do with the TV host is I'd say, taste this and tell me if you can get your kids to eat this. Right. And I wouldn't tell them what's in it. Right. And they taste it. Oh, this is incredible. Any kid will eat this. And right. I go, you know what, this came, this was made with garbanzo beans. Right. So I will be happy to send you that. Send me that. And we will post it on Facebook. So I'm not kidding. It's, it's okay. a great recipe. Okay, good. All right. All my friends out there who are helping me out, write that down so that I'm sure to get the bean chocolate, chocolate indulgence bean recipe. Fabulous. All right, we're going. Um, all right, let's go back to those healthy substitutes. Again, where we're spending money and we don't need to, and we're spending wasted calories. So we're wasting money on wasted calories. Um, breakfast, I think, is one of the hot, hot places where we're wasting time and money on calories. As you said, donuts, muffins, pancakes, all of it, they're just nutritionally devoid. So what is the Johnny Bowden's, you know, best records for healthier from a time and money point of view? Breakfast. Um, well, <laughs> you're going to be sorry you asked. I eat salad with chicken for breakfast, so don't talk to me. No, no, no. I, I have for years, I started out as a personal trainer at Equinox. I taught that you must, breakfast is the most important meal. You, you, you know, there's studies showing that kids who eat breakfast do better in school. There's a lot of reasons to eat breakfast. But in recent years, we've also found that there are some good reasons to not eat breakfast. Oh, we want to talk about intermittent, fasting? Intermittent fasting, which can be as simple as don't eat from 10 o'clock at night till 10 o'clock the next morning. That's the easiest way to do it. And, um, and I have been, for the last few years, I've kind of been doing that. I play tennis at 7.30 in the morning. And it happened kind of by accident. I missed, I didn't eat one day and 
actually had great energy and I did fine. I wound up not eating till noon and I realized, wait a minute, I'm kind of doing an intermittent fast, which is a very healthy thing to do. And so I, I think I'm not telling everybody not to eat breakfast. It's a very important meal for many, many people. But there is a segment of the population, particularly when your metabolism is a little bit healthier and can run on fat a little bit more and doesn't need to be fed every two hours, where you might find that a couple days a week, you're just fine not eating until um, 12 noon or one o'clock. And it wouldn't be the worst thing. You would not be committing, you know, health offense number one. Well, um, and you cut your budget that day by 30%. And you cut your budget. Yeah, so it's but something it, that people might want to try. Yeah, no, we've definitely we've written about it. I've done podcasts on it on on intermittent fasting. It really is a very healthy thing to do. But nonetheless, for the people that do want to eat breakfast or do want to well, eat one thing, I'll tell you what I right. when I do that, I very often um, please don't send hate mail. I have a burger. I as I said, I have chicken on salad. I've yeah. had that, and and you know, uh, here's a funny story. Uh, you may, you will probably know who Nick Paracone is. Right. People who shop at Nordstrom's Paracone skincare, very, very expensive skin line. And Nick Paracone is a dermatologist from Yale who started this line years ago. And and was a, and he wrote a number of books. One of which was the Wrinkle Solution. And in the Wrinkle Solution, he recommended that people eat salmon for breakfast for three days in a row. And people did it because. To get rid of wrinkles, they'll do anything. If you told them that would be the healthiest thing you could possibly do for your circulation, they go, oh, I'm not eating salmon for breakfast. You tell them it's going to change your wrinkles. And I ran into him once at a conference and I asked him about it. And I said, you know, this is like the great, he says, this is the greatest diet for inflammation, which is a component of everything because you're eating omega-3s and fish and it's tasty and it's filling and you're not, you know, it's great. I said, why didn't you sell it that way? He said, because nobody would buy it or do it. Mm -hmm. But if you tell them that it's for wrinkles, which indirectly it is because it's for your skin, then they will do it. So I guess it depends on what you're motivated to do. But if you were to eat salmon for breakfast, you would be doing yourself an enormous favor. And guess how long it takes? Six minutes. Right. So again, it, it's more expensive than buying, you know, so, but if you did it once a week, if you did it on Sundays, these are, you have to think outside the box with breakfast because we were, the cereal thing, it's a hundred years old. The human genus has been here for 2.4 million years. Homo sapiens, 120,000 years. Cereal, a hundred years. You know, this is a new invention. The cowboys out in Montana, when they settled the West, ate steak and eggs. So breakfast does not have to be Cereal, milk, orange juice, and a banana. It really, when you start thinking about that, leftovers from dinner the night before. Well, perfectly fine. When I get down to the time savers, I mean, my some people don't like leftovers. My mother-in-law talks about planned overs, and I do that as well. If I'm going to cook, I'm cooking twice as much as what I need because then in the morning I just reheat my chicken. I buy I buy roast chickens like crazy. Because they're the they're the healthy they're so great to have in there's they can make so many different meals again it's a great idea right they're in every single grocery store they're not expensive at all they can get multiple meals out of it and it's a great time saver and healthy food um, so again back to you can eat economically and be um, healthy now even just at the simplest form Johnny I sometimes eat peanut butter and jelly for breakfast you know having nut butters mm -hmm. not it ain't great but it's better than just just a piece of toast. I, I'm 100% with you. I love peanut butter and jelly, and, and peanut butter figures very, it, it's a major player in 
in my little uh, buffet of, of uh, foods that I keep in the house and that I munch on all day. And there are ways to do it without the bread, as you probably figured out. I mean, including peanut butter right out of the jar. And maybe if you want a little bit of sweetener, you'd add a little bit of honey or jelly to it. Sure, you put a little bit, very different than not smearing layers of jelly on white bread and then put it, yeah. no, make the peanut butter the thing. And here's another trick, it goes great mashed up with bananas. Another two minute dish to make that's quite nutritious and sprinkle some almonds on top, done. Or in celery. You get yeah. that, you get that, that chewing satisfaction, peanut butter on on celery, it's portable. So anyone that wants a portable breakfast, I've done that before too. You get Absolutely. crunch out of it. Again, it's healthier. It's more satisfying. So apple again, slices, apple slices, and peanut butter also work great, and they travel well. Yeah. Squeeze a little lemon over them to antioxidant the the uh, the browning effect, and you're good. Um, any other of your favorite eat eat this not that? I, I have, if, if, I could, if I had the technology to show you my kitchen, mm -hmm. you would see mason jar after mason, the cabinet filled with nuts. Mm -hmm. Every kind of nut you can imagine, macadamia, pecan, almond, cashew, uh, and they are, they are my constant snacking companion. So I don't do chips and whatever other things that come in bags like that, but I snack on nuts. I also snack on olives. I go to the olive, well, you, they don't have the olive bar anymore because we don't have that, but they now come, the ones that were in the olive bar that aren't the processed kind that come in the jar that you can actually, they come in little plastic and I buy them. And I will snack on sometimes in the morning before tennis, sometimes a part of my lunch will be that, snacking on some cheese, some nuts, some olives. So I kind of do that kind, I do a lot of that kind of grazing. And, and, um, which again, though, I mean, sometimes it's, again, the nuts are very expensive. They're good for you. They're expensive. But again, is there, while, while it seems like there's a high price point to buy a big jug of peanuts or a big jug of cashews, um, is there a long-term saving, again, because you eat less, it's more satisfying so that you're not it's so much eating more satisfying. a full bag of whatever for your snack? If I were eating potato chips and, and the way they are so delicious and you can't stop it, I could go through six bags of, of wise potato chips and I cannot go through six bags of nuts. Right. And by the way, I buy a lot of nuts at Target and, and, and Costco has great prices on nuts. They don't have to be all that. I mean, yeah, macadamia nuts are ridiculous, but the others are not bad. They're not yeah. bad. Yeah. All right. So now let's talk about some of the uh, additional time-saving tips. Here's, here's my favorite thing. These are some of my, here's my, here's my little tricks. You want to know what I do. Um, and I had this fight with someone, oh no, it takes so long um, to cook chicken and to cook dinner. It really doesn't. So here's the easy thing. You get chicken breasts, you throw it in a baggie, you take salad dressing. You can either make it yourself far cheaper or you take a bottle of salad dressing, you pour it in, that's your marinade. You know, if you don't, or you put oil or you take whatever spices that you have, whatever it is, make the salad dressing yourself or you take some and you pour it in and you let it marinate, you soak there. And then if you don't have a grill, you don't want a grill because you have to tend to it, you stick it in the oven and you just bake it and it takes like 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And it's the same amount of time that it takes to throw something else in the oven. It's not hard to do, but you're getting real food. And again, if you do it as planned overs, um, sometimes I'll do it, I'll take, the, I'll take the, um, the chicken, I'll throw vegetables on it at the same time so that you're roasting your vegetables and you're cooking your chicken at the same time. You season it up. Again, we've got all those spices. Super easy to do. 
Um, my other favorite thing, John, do you have a rice cooker? I don't. Oh my gosh. I, I, I had it run, my husband mocked me when I came home with a rice cooker a couple years ago. He goes, we've got so many single purpose kitchen appliances. What do we need this thing for? $15 at Walmart. If I tell you we use it every single day, it's the easiest Really? Because rice, it's always a mess. It takes forever on stuff. It's a mess. It's a pain to clean up. Ugh. The rice cooker, no joke. You put it in, you put the little, you add the water, you know, one cup of rice, two cups of water, a little bit of oil, a little bit of bouillon or something to flavor it up. You put the lid on and you push the button and you walk away. You don't have to pay attention to it. And then it's done in 20 minutes. It takes two seconds to do it. I can do quinoa, you can do rice, you can do any of those grains, they all cook the same. So easy, once again, like time saver, money saver, throw it in, put it in the refrigerator the next day, you take it, I've made fried rice out of quinoa, out of, you pick the grain, soy sauce, some vegetables, you throw it in a little bit of that roast chicken, takes 10 minutes to do, so easy. Mm, that's great, I, uh, here's one from my gym days in the 90s and from bodybuilding culture, uh, I used to bake six potatoes on a Sunday, mm -hmm. baked potatoes and, and sweet potatoes particularly. Yeah. Can I tell you how delicious they taste when cold, left in the refrigerator and eaten during the week? Really? And we didn't know this then, but we do now. When bananas or potatoes are cooked and then put back in the refrigerator to cool, they increase something called resistant starch, which is the third kind of fiber besides uh, uh, soluble and insoluble, and is turning out to have a tremendous effect on the microbiome. So they're a great source of this resistant starch, and they are beyond delicious. And I always use butter because I'm not afraid of fat and I'm a good high fat, you know, healthy fat person. So I'd put them on butter and I'd salt them and I'd leave them in there and they just, they are magnificent. We're like a mini meal or a snack. Um, bodybuilders used to combine them with tuna fish. Um, really, really good. I was going to say baked potatoes or sweet potatoes as well. Again, from I, I, I was talking about sweet potatoes. Yeah, either one, but I, I prefer the sweet. Sweet yeah. potatoes. From a time point of view, again, and one of the one of the biggest things about cooking at home that people complain about is the cleanup, which is why, you know, the roast chicken, the easiest thing to make, the worst thing to clean up, which is why thank you grocery stores for everybody becoming roastery, you know, having gro uh, rotisserie chickens. But no matter what it is, like their cleanup is a pain. So baked potatoes, you wash it and you stick it, it's the easiest thing to do. You stick it in the oven Easy. for an hour and you're done. And then you can, you know, either take some frozen vegetables out of the freezer versus fresh, right? Either or whatever you have, you throw it in the microwave, you saute it again, a little bit of oil. It does not take long because if you can get it pre-cut, there are ways to do it. It doesn't cost a lot when you buy those big bulk bags at Costco to saute those up, throw it, throw beans in there with garlic, saute that in with some garlic, throw it in and it's satisfying and it's easy to do. So there really is, you know, in terms of the, I don't have time, it really does not take more time, a lot of time, especially if you don't have cleanup. And, and let me add one thing to that from a, a different perspective. Um, so I make juice every day. Mm -hmm. And the biggest object, everyone who knows that says, are you kidding that clean up those, have you ever used one of those machines, the, the slow juicers? It's a big project. And they always comment on that. And honestly, when I started doing it, that was my big obstacle. 
was like, God, you got to buy the vegetables, you got to cut cut all the fruits and vegetables up, you got to put them in the thing, and you got to clean up this machine. And the way I got around that was not by making it's no faster now than it was when I learned, but I have adjusted, and I'm not saying everybody can do this, but I want to throw it out there as a possibility, maybe you can do a little of this. I readjusted how I look at that time. Mm -hmm. It became almost like a meditative ritual. I know it takes 20 minutes. It, take, it now takes me from the time I go to the refrigerator and take out the vegetables and fruits to the time that the kitchen is spotless, it's about 20 to 22 minutes. The reward for that is enough fresh juice to last you know, a day and a half. And what I did was instead of resenting it and going, oh, God, this takes so long, I got into a thing of it and it became a ritual. I listened to certain things in the music and I cut it up and it's very meditative and conscious and aware and it isn't a problem anymore. I look forward to it. It's one of the anchoring things I do every day. And I think if we can adjust some of our relationship to these tasks and make them instead of, oh my God, I got to do that. It takes forever to be like, I'm so lucky to be able to do this and look what I'm going to get as a result. And I'm just going to use this time to kind of center myself, be in the moment, feel what I'm doing, relate to the food I'm making. And yeah, it takes you 20 minutes. You got something better to do. I mean, so that is really, uh, I realize there are probably people looking at that going, this guy is completely disconnected from my reality. I have four kids and three dogs and I can't, but there's always a little mindfulness you could use. And there's always a glimmer in there where you could go, is this really the, you know, the burden that I think it is, or maybe there's something joyous. Maybe I could find something to actually like about this. And, well, and that readjusts your, your relationship with that time. Yeah, no, it's, it's really true. And I think a lot of people have discovered that, especially when we've been home, that the whole process, as you said earlier, just of cooking has been meditative. It has been connecting. We've all wanted to kind of connect yes. to, to earth and life. Now, again, when we will get out of here. Life will go back to normal. A lot of people, a lot of parents are home with young kids, so they're still pulling their hair out and struggling and juggling. So um, acknowledging that, but yes, I agree in terms of um, the, you know, the enjoying, shifting to enjoy some of that. Again, you can't, it's hard to, to always have the time to do that. I think people can look at their lives. You, you said earlier, like, you know, you can watch an episode of Friends or whatever, but, you know, we don't realize how much time we waste scrolling. Right, just huh. scroll. Right? Stop scrolling. Say that again. right, there's a whole lot of time that's in our life that we can we can find. So you know, just become real conscious of the time that we're wasting, the money we're wasting, the calories we're wasting, and that it really we can do better for ourselves through you know through for our health and healthy eating. Um, any parting shots, Johnny, that you want to you know final final blessing that you'd like to share? No, I, I think, you know, that we, we owe consumers, we nutritionists, health professionals, owe you a collective, uh, a, a collective apology for making this stuff so difficult to understand and so partisan and so that we've got tribes now, that, you know, the carnivores hate the vegans. If you, if you kind of just pare it down to the idea of eat the food that the human genus has been programmed to eat since our first creation on earth or our first appearance on earth. And that is food that really is found in the environment in its unprocessed state. And that's this, as I said, food you could hunt, gather, fish or pluck. But, but allow yourself a little bit of leeway. You don't have to stick to something as if it's a, 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 you know, the Torah or the Quran. It's not a religion. 
And, and if you stay within the premise of most of the time I want to eat actually unprocessed foods, you will actually check a lot of the boxes that Sarah and I are talking about, both in time and money and certainly in health, by simply going, asking the one question of food, is this real or was it made in a factory? And, and that one distinction alone can really change a lot of the health parameters that we're talking about. Yeah, well, and a lot of that, again, it's, it, some of that's an investment. So if you buy, a, as we said, a bunch of spices or you juice, it might cost you a little bit here, long-term. You've got it in your pantry. It's a good investment because long-term, you're not running to that pantry again hungry. And long-term, frankly, you're healthier and you're not spending money on medical bills, medications, and all that other stuff that unhealthy eating does for us. All right, Johnny Bowden, you're great. Just a reminder, people can learn more about Johnny, johnnybowden.com. You're going to send me that chocolate delight recipe so we can share with people that's great and come back next week everybody for um mark goulston next Thursday, we're going to talk about anger and share these with your friends please let more people know about the information that we're providing so that we can help them be healthy and a little bit more on their own all right thanks everybody i'm talking to leading nutritionist and author johnny Bowden about the challenges of eating healthy. You know, there's a belief that health food is complicated and time consuming to cook and that it's far more expensive. But frankly, that's just not the case. And helping readers overcome these kinds of myths and biases with information that's accurate and can be trusted from the world's top experts is exactly how our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, helps people do better and feel better. Johnny's one of thousands of top experts who've appeared in Bottom Line Personal, not just in healthcare, but in all aspects of life including financial planning, great gift ideas, how to save money on travel, insurance snafus, smart tax strategies, improving your relationships, and so much more. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of our experts' greatest tips of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast that's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast.